0: Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. It's real-life stories and sometimes
1: PG-13. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Isaiah forty twenty nine, the Bible.
2: You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, catch good vibes, and be inspired by engaging messages. On this show, we'll think twice about life faith and just what could be possible when the two are united broadcasting from the beautiful great lake state of pure michigan here's your host dan henderson hello
1: thank you for listening today's episode is entitled porn harms finding freedom that lasts here's a quote by an unknown author conscience is what hurts when everything else feels so good porn promises big but delivers little look I'm not just some perfect churchy guy on this podcast, okay? I'm a real person with a real past. A history of sleeping around and pornography addiction. One man said that porn can make you feel like a man without actually being one. But it's a counterfeit, and we all know it. For me, it took years of trial and error to overcome. Like any addiction, it doesn't just go away. It takes effort, education, and the support of others. But even more vital to victory... It's a reliance and dedication to a loving God. This is actually the third show that I've done on this important issue. After this episode, would you go back and check out episode 7, entitled Leaving Sexual Sin, and episode 23, Ending the Plague of Porn. We've also created a page on our website called The Toolbox, everything you need to succeed in fighting pornography addiction. You can find that at thinktwicetv.com toolbox. Now let's get right into our first story.
3: I am John Wooten, and I am from Longview.
4: I am Lainey Wooten, and I'm from Longview.
3: We've been married for uh, eight years. Basically, for 13 years of my life, I was uh, addicted to porn, and um, uh, I guess really as early as I was 14, but but um, I was uh, it wasn't really accessible to me until later on, until I was in high school, about 17. And then the damage was done. It it wasn't like I could just forget about that. Um, really, you could say I was I was addicted to lust. To I mean, I was um, predisposed to be addicted to porn. Really, I mean, and not really believing that it was as damaging as it really was. Not really knowing how damaging it was. Um, and so that continued on into relationships. Um, whenever I met Lainey, um, I was in her band. Actually, we were leading worship at all kinds of events, uh, and so. Uh, I was I was involved in ministry, uh, but still dealing with this sin.
4: John and I had been dating for several months, and um, one night he began to open up to me and and tell me that he had dealt with um, pornography in his past. And being a woman and the perspective that I had, I just said, "Well, you're going to stop, right? I mean, it was just a black and white issue for me. You know, you know it's wrong, and you know it's hurtful to me, so." just don't do it again and let's move on you know and that was my my way of offering grace was like let's just forget about it let's confess it and let's move on
3: knowing in my mind that I I would have a hard time just stopping looking at this um, but also knowing that she saw it very black and white um, I I chose to just tell her uh, sure yes I'm gonna stop but um, I slipped back into it. I, I, I of course, didn't stop. Um, and um, so then our relationship progressed.
4: Um, so John and I became married and um, thinking that this issue was behind us, and you know, we moved on, and, but yet I did have a concern about where John was spiritually and just didn't feel like we had a, a oneness spiritually in our marriage.
3: My, my relationship with the Lord something was not quite right. And, and I, I, it didn't click with me that it was my sin that was keeping me from that. I, mean, I was very deceived. And so it wasn't until a friend of ours, who's a worship leader, he invited me to come play guitar for, for his church, um, whatever he was leading uh, one weekend. He began to speak to me. We had a great conversation um, over that weekend. He, um, he talked to me about the Lord. He talked to me about scripture. Um, on my drive home, I, I said, God, show me the sin in my life. Almost as if I didn't even know, and, and that's how deceived I was. Um, I was very blind to it, and and he revealed to me that that the pornography was an addiction and it was uh, it was a big problem. When when I got home, I, I, I knew that I needed to I needed to confess this to to, to Laney. I was pleading with him, not don't make me confess this, to Lainey. Don't don't make me tell her because um, this will crush her. All 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 of those fears were there. Um, but basically pleading with the Lord don't don't make me tell her let this just be between you and I Lord um, can't we just deal with this and he was saying no uh,
4: so here I was at my friend's house and I was uneasy about leaving John behind but just choosing to move on and um, and then my phone rings and John s- says I need you to come home and I knew we were about to have a serious conversation I'll never forget the look on his face and he he looked like he was about to tell me that someone had died. I mean, he just, he had lost color in his face, and then the closer he got to me, then I realized he was trembling. And I just began to say, no, no, and I just shook my head, and because and, I knew he was about to tell me that he had been lying to me. And then he began to confess, and and he said, I've lied to you, and I've lied to you throughout our whole marriage, and um, then he began to weep. And I've never seen a man undone, um, like I did that day in my husband. I went from, in that moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit and him alone, from victim and crushed wife to comforter and support, and I held him up, I embraced him. I literally was holding up my husband as he wept. And wept and wept under the power of God, and he confessed and he poured it out, and no one gets credit for that, but but the Lord. Um, it was amazing, it was um, supernatural, it was it was glorious, is what it was.
3: See, there's there's freedom for anybody, for everybody. Um, Jesus has his hands open, his arms open he wants to love you and and uh, he wants to give you freedom there's freedom for for everybody and for the deepest darkest sin that you have he can handle it Mm -hmm. Um, let him handle it
4: praise the lord it will be four years this july and he has kept his word um, but not in his own strength Mm -hmm. uh, but because he has humbled himself under the mighty hand of God, and God has exalted him.
3: My name is John Wooten, and I was addicted to pornography for 13 years.
4: He said, with
1: this ring, I promise.
4: Some of you have been praying for years and years and years for your husband. Um, I, I probably prayed for him for a total of seven years, and I know that many of you have prayed longer than that, and um, but don't stop, don't stop, and your prayers are not going unheard. Trust can be regained, um, and what was broken um, for John and I and our marriage has been restored. Isaiah says that we should put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, and so we fight despair by worship. So worship, look to the Lord, and and he will fill you with hope and he can restore he will restore um put your hope in him um because he will not fail us and he hears us and he's good but he will restore
2: you're listening to the think twice tv podcast come see us at think
1: our next clip is from the renowned purity speaker jason everett not a testimony per se but it's still very valuable nonetheless we posted a video in the toolbox of one of his talks and a link to his cd called porn detox you can hear lots more from him at his site just search the chastity project or check the show note for links
5: what's so bad
6: about pornography if nobody's getting hurt in the process
7: Well, I I can speak from experience because I had all the stuff throughout high school. I mean, my high school was everywhere. Uh, One guy in my high school passed out pornography from his locker to anyone who would vote for him as senior class vice president. Now, I don't know if he's a politician today or not, but it was everywhere. And the common thing is we just blow it off. You know, I'm not getting anyone pregnant, I'm not passing around diseases, they're willing to pose for the magazines, I'm willing to look at it, you know, it's a good arrangement for everybody. And what ends up happening is it emasculates a man. It basically trains him to look at a woman as a collection of body parts. And it teaches a guy that you can judge the value of a woman by how much lust you feel for her. If I don't lust after her, she's not worth a lot. If I really lust after wow, there's a woman. And we end up becoming shallower and shallower. And We laugh it off and say, well, she's willing to be in the porn, what's the big deal? But you don't realize the majority of women in the pornographic industry were sexually abused as little girls and as adult women as well. You know, Pamela Anderson, when she posed for Playboy magazine, her first Playboy shoot, she was crying before the shot. And then she pulled herself together and they fixed up her makeup and they took the nude photos. So, when we're looking at these women, we've got to understand these are someone's sisters, this is somebody's daughter, and probably sexually abuses a little girl, and we would just laugh it off and call ourselves gentlemen for appreciating it. And What happens to the guy is when you look at porn, uh, the pleasure center of a man's brain is called your medial preoptic nucleus. If you take cocaine, this part of the brain is influenced, but if they found during sexual arousal, this part of the brain is rewarded, and what it causes what's known as a trained response. They've learned of Pavlov's dog in psychology class. The guy rings a bell, feeds the dog, and the dog begins to associate the sound of the bell with food. So eventually, all he has to do is ring a bell and the dog will start salivating because he knows the sound means food is coming. It's called a trained response. They found out the same thing works with a man's brain, and the pleasure center is one of the most easily trained parts. So they found out when a guy looks at the porn, he actually trains his brain to expect his future wife to live up with all these impossibly perfect fantasies. God gave you a clean slate of an imagination on which to impress the beauty of your wife and her alone. Yet we have stamped on it so many images of other women, and you look at these other girls in porn, 15 seconds, and you're bored with her. Look at the next girl, 30 seconds. Bored, next, 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 next. These are the most beautiful bodies on Earth, and we're being trained to become bored with them in less than a minute flat. And you do that for a couple years, and you marry a woman, and you really expect that her body's gonna captivate you until death do you part. It doesn't happen. Men start bringing pornography into the bedroom. Uh, I know of so many divorces that have happened. Women write me emails, letters. And one girl, woman I met, she just got divorced with her husband, and she said he's moved out, the kids are emotionally destroyed, and she said she was picking up the mattress the other day to change the sheets, and she said there under her bed was his stack of pornographic Maxim men's magazines, and she said all these years of being in bed with him, was he making love to me, or was he using my body to make love to them? And while at that moment, very active sex, when he's supposed to be renewing his marriage covenant with his wife, he's mentally committing adultery with her. And you can understand how this just destroys intimacy within marriage. And I know from experience that you look at the pictures for like five seconds, and then it just takes years and years to forget the images that are just burned into your brain. And so when it comes to the porn, we like to hide behind this thing of, oh, nobody's getting hurt, I'm just being a gentleman. You look at porn clubs, like strip clubs, a gentleman's club. You know, can you think of any place on earth where a gentleman needs a neon sign to tell you that he is one? No, it, it doesn't happen. Actions speak for themselves. You know, adult, I'm adult. This is an adult bookstore. I'm an adult. This is why I'm going in here. Adults don't need signs to say they're adults. They just act like them. And so they put all these facades up. I need to be a gentleman, because no matter how far we fall, we always want to identify what's, what's really manly, what's masculine. But the problem is the porn just emasculates us. It emasculates us. It just robs us of the ability to truly love a woman for who she is, not just a collection of body parts, for her personality. Because the porn teaches us personality doesn't matter, intelligence doesn't matter, her body matters. And when you go into a marriage like this, it's it's over from the start. My friend got married, addicted to porn. He's divorced in three months. And people say, well, you're just being just, you're just being extremist. I mean, if people agree to do it, it's just recreation. But the problem is, don't we want sex to be a big deal? Shouldn't it be something beautiful? And when we reduce her to just a thing, it's like she's a prostitute. In fact, that's what the word pornography means. Pornographia, the writing or the drawing of the prostitutes. And is this how you want someone to look at your daughter? Is this how you want someone to look at your sister, your mother? Then why would we look at other women this way? And I understand how addicting the behavior can be, but it can be overcome, especially through the sacraments and through prayer. You struggle with pornography, you need to find someone who you can be accountable to, a friend that's also has a good faith, that say, hey, can you help me, man? I'm trying to get rid of this porn, but it's really hard. You know, and and he can help throw this stuff away for you. You know, and it's, it's very important that you trash it and you need to protect yourself with internet filters or things like that because with porn it used to be you throw it away and it's gone but now with the internet you throw away the porn and it's right there on the internet the next day just waiting for you. A guy's got to learn how when he sees the porn people say well what are you supposed to do? You know if I see an image of a beautiful woman on the street or in reality or in a magazine what do I do? Am I supposed to just oh I can't think about that sex is bad? I think you'd get neurotic if you constantly had this, oh, there's a beautiful woman, can't look, oh, oh, she's over there, oh, no! ah, you know, you just, you just, you blow up. And that's why the world sees chastity as just repression. You get these desires, shove them down, or you're gonna blow up, or you're gonna sin, or you're gonna go to hell, push them away. And so chastity needs to get rehabilitated, the word chastity. And we need to get to the point where we understand Christ didn't come to just redeem our souls. He came to redeem our whole sexuality, our whole person, all of our desires. He came to redeem them to the point where we should be able to look at a prostitute and instead of like looking at her as just like a thing and wanting to take her, where we feel sorry for her. In fact, I was driving... To go to Home Depot, near where I live, I have to drive by a strip club every time. And, and I say a little prayer for the girls and just drive by. And often they're sitting outside the strip club in little lawn chairs and they smoke cigarettes and they between shows they go out there and have a break and try to draw customers in. And I drive by, and just say a prayer. But in my heart, I always knew one day God was gonna tell me to go there. And it's pretty strange when God's telling you to go to a strip club. So, uh, you know, and so I'm driving by. And one day it was just on my heart, today you need to go there. Today you need to go talk to the girls. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go to a strip club. What if I get an accident in the parking lot? You know what that's going to look like? You know, chassis speaker gets an accident at a strip club. Not good. <laughs> and so, and I reach in the passenger seat of the car, and I have one booklet that my wife wrote called Pure Woman that just happens to be sitting there. So I've got one book, and then I look over, and sure enough, one girl sitting outside the strip club and so I will today's the day and I hit the blinker and I pull into the parking lot of the, the, the strip club and I pull up to where she's sitting and I roll down the window and she looks at me and I say um, hi I said I have something I want to give you and she jumped up and she walked over the car and she was very friendly and I said this is a, a book my wife wrote you know on, you know and I just wanted to give it to you I know I'm, I'm kind of a dork giving away my wife's book and she said no 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 what is it about you know I explained to her and I looked into this girl's eyes and I looked into her eyes and it's like what I saw, I felt like no one had looked in her eyes in probably 15 years. They're so busy staring at her body, that they never looked at her eyes. They were so heavy, and they were so dark, and I just gave her this book, and just gave her a smile, and just said, I hope you like the book, you know, God bless, whatever, and I left, and it was just very simple. God wants to get us to a point, and not that I'm there yet, because it's not a destination and you're there, it's a process, but it, we need to get to the point where when we see these girls, we just feel sorry for them. We just want something better for them. The solution to pornography is to love porn models. And as strange as that sounds, that is the solution to the porn. We need to love these women. And people say, love porn models? I can do that. I volunteer. No, no, no. Love is not easy. Love, Mother Teresa said, love to be real. It must hurt. It must cost. It must empty us of self. And so to love these women in porn, when you see them and your inclination is to look and to use, pray for her. If you struggle with flashbacks of porn from your imagination, pray for those memories. Pray for those girls. They're out there somewhere right now, and they need your graces. And we need to begin to treat them as if we love them more than anything on earth. And I think if we can do that, we can redeem the culture.
0: Share the experience of our incredible true life stories at thinktwicetv.com forward slash our stories. Life, hope, and truth For Generation Now. This is Hashtag Gospel. Relevant, inspiring, and straight to the point. The Gospel and what it means for us.
5: If you think about the stories that have captivated you the most, they all have something in common a moment of darkness where the hero goes down, the group is trapped with no escape, or the guy can't hold on to the girl. In those moments, we long for a glimmer of hope to hold on to, a light in the darkness, the possibility of rescue. We're drawn to these stories because they reflect our own. Going all the way back to the story of Adam and Eve, they chose to listen to Satan instead of God. They questioned God and ultimately disobeyed Him. And the instant they did, everything changed. Sin and death entered the world like a giant boulder, trapping them and separating them from God. They needed to be rescued, and so do we. Within the darkness of our sin and separation from God, there is a glimmer of hope, the promise of a rescue plan. For Adam and Eve, God promised to send a rescuer who would remove the boulder. He would defeat evil and restore relationship with them. These kinds of stories are compelling because they reflect all of our stories. It's why we long for a glimmer of hope and look for a savior. We feel this weight of separation, keeping us from the light. The rescue plan was the light that made its way in and gave us something to hope for.
0: This is Hashtag Gospel. View each message as an amazing animated video at HashtagGospel.com. It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom, a short, single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach.
6: There are appetites, there are desires, there are needs that are right, they're proper, they're wholesome, but when we carry them outside of the of the fenced-in yard that protects children on the playground, when we carry them outside the boundaries of God's establishment, then they lead to sin. The sex drive, for example, of course, is a, is a key one. It, it's normal. It's healthy. It's wonderful. God, God loves us, and he created us uh, in that fashion. Uh, but outside the bounds of, bounds of marriage, uh, if we... If we exercise it, then we have been dragged away and enticed. We have sinned, and sin gives birth to death. We're tempted when our needs and our desires get the upper hand in our lives. And temptation is an incredibly powerful force. It produces a strong, almost irresistible response in us. The person who commits sexual sin, for example, begins by looking or by imagining... And this engenders a strong urge. As an individual hosts those thoughts and toys with them, fantasizing what it would be like to live out the dream world, the appeal becomes more and more powerful. It burns its image in the mind and the heart. A lot of Christian men especially are drawn to pornography, and and there are chemical things that happen in the brain that make it very addictive, almost uh, more addictive than than other other kinds of drugs. And this is precisely what James means by being dragged away and enticed. It doesn't take long for us to be in bondage. We become enslaved by our passions. And the evil one now has a handle in us. He has something to grab hold of in us, and if allowed to continue, the natural progression leads to acting out the sin that we have already experienced in our heart. Make no mistake, our dream world, if left unchecked, will ultimately become our real world. You know, one of the reasons we hear about automobiles, we hear about cars being hit on railroad tracks is that people overestimate a train's ability to stop. It can take a train traveling 50 miles an hour a full mile to stop once the emergency brake is engaged. The air brakes lock on the engine, the wheels reverse. But all the conductor can do is watch helplessly as the vehicle on the track grows larger and larger in the train's headlights temptation is akin to a 10,000 ton train going 50 miles an hour and when we let it get to a point where we have built up steam and we we overestimate our ability to stop, we are in trouble and we are going to be demolished. Of course, God tells us what to do. He says, don't let it get up ahead of steam or flee youthful lusts. We stand against the devil, but when it comes to lust, passions, we run away from those because because it builds up ahead of steam. It's a 10,000-ton train, and we're not going to stop that that thing very easily. And so the moment we see it, the moment we feel it coming, the moment we are aware of the temptation, we cry out to our Father and say, Lord, help me, protect me, keep me from the awfulness of temptation, and then we hightail it and we get out of there. Not a single one of us can afford to take this issue lightly. Uh, there are many times we, we feel that we really want to live right. We want to please God. Only to our horror to find ourselves giving in to evil desires. What causes a Christian believer to be drawn into pornography or to engage in an illicit affair? I'm sure many small decisions lead down the path, but the bottom line is, it is sin. And it wants to take root in our lives. It wants to control us. It wants to dominate us. And of course, sin is an insult to God's holiness. When we sin, we are saying, this is what God is like, because we are Christians. We are like Christ. This is how God behaves. He wants us to live in victory, and so we come to our father, our dad. The spirit in us helps us to cry out Abba, which is the, which is the familiar daddy. Helps us to cry out to our daddy and say, protect me from temptation. Protect me from the evil one. The temptation's going to come, but help me not to follow that path. Protect me. Build a hedge about me. And when the temptation does come, I know it's common to man. Everybody faces the same things that I face. There's nothing unique about me. There's nothing different about me. The things that come to my way, everybody is experiencing those things and that God wouldn't allow it if I couldn't with his help be victorious in it and through it. Often we say, you know, I, I just can't bear that. And a lot of things we can't bear in our own, but we run to our dad. say, help me with this. I can't bear this without you. Help me with this. And and God makes a way of escape. He helps us. He helps us in it and through it and and out of it. He believes in us. He's convinced that we can overcome with his aid. So we pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one because all the power and the glory, the kingdom, it's yours. Hallelujah.
1: If you really want to be free from porn, I highly recommend the book Every Man's Battle. In this book, they highlight three keys to engaging in the battle. Let's go over those now. 1. Bouncing the eyes. Men specifically are sexually stimulated visually through the eyes. Build the habit of turning your eyes away from sensual images. That could be any images, the internet, magazines, TV, um, joggers, or any other temptation that starts you down that path. Think of it as kindling for the fire. If you starve your eyes, you starve the fire for lust. Two, fortify your mind. If you're successful with your eyes, then the battle moves to your mind. Recollections of past loves or pornographic memories. It's important for you to chop down these mental weeds with something that can actually cleanse your mind. And that's scripture the bible gives us an arsenal of verses that speak to these issues and how to overcome them go to the toolbox to get armed with scriptures and point three the battle for your heart this is where many of us arrive we clean up for a time only to fall back to these things that we hate over and over if married our heart belongs to our spouse if single it is to be preserved for our future spouse and even further at its core our heart should belong to God these practical steps will help you in the battle but we truly need to remove ourselves from the throne of our heart and coronate Jesus Christ as our loving Lord and all-knowing master of our lives when Jesus is worshiped in spirit and in truth he will come alive and dwell in us and with us and when the prince of peace is close to you you can get through anything lastly i'll leave you with this quote from every man's battle I want you to know that you are a warrior of the Lord God Almighty. The battle for purity lies before you, and victory is yours for the taking. God is with you, and make no mistake, together you can stand as a formidable duo on the battlefield. You can and will win this battle, in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us. We'll check you
2: next time. Thank you for listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Come see us at thinktwicetv.com. Find original videos, true life stories, and content to help you grow your faith at thinktwicetv.com. This project is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association, revealing the love and power of God through media, mediamessengers.org. If you like the show, follow us on social media, Find us on Facebook and Twitter at M Messengers, on Instagram at Media Messengers, or subscribe to our growing YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media Messengers. And please, please help us reach more people by sharing this podcast. Lastly, check the show notes for links and resources. God bless.